This is In The Name Of Football. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the In The Name Of Football podcast. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, we know that, we have deserted you. Um, but when 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 it comes to transfers and all this sort of guff in the mid-season, and it just takes so long, so we're just like repetitive, isn't it? So what we're going to do is, we haven't really got an agenda tonight, as in we're going to cover this team, that team. We're obviously going to cover United and Arsenal because that's what we do in being an Arsenal fan, me being a United fan. So we'll obviously talk about them too because they are probably the teams I'm talking about the most in the uh, transfers at the minute. Um, but we will just kind of like wing it. Like, right, we'll jump into Chelsea. We'll jump into, who knows, a little bit of Spurs maybe or whatever. But um, if you are new around here, we are the In Name of Football podcast. I'm Carl, United fan. And as always, I'm joined by one, the European Cup won the Premier League, they've won everything before they've even kicked the ball this season. Ash, the deluded gunner. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> well, I mean, you think I, you thought I was bad last year. Just you wait until Declan Rice is signed, sealed and delivered officially because there's nothing stopping us that way. <laughs> treble! Well, the, treble. <laughs> well that, this is exactly what I mean. Like, you wait until Declan Rice is signed. If we had done a podcast last week, we were talking about this off air. We were like, oh, Declan Rice is going to be signing. Mason Mount is going to be signing. They still haven't signed. So it's just like, well, well yeah. Point? I mean, I swear you always get a, a notification that says exclusive or breaking news. And it's like, we had that update yesterday, didn't we? Like, <laughs> they've added yeah. probably like one thing that, oh, it's no longer 100 million, it's 100 million and 2p, you know. Like, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I was like, I love Manchester United's one where they're like, oh, Manchester United admire Anana, Manchester United are looking into the Anana deal, Manchester United are preparing a bid for Anana, and I'm like. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> it's 2042 and Manchester United are still admiring Anana. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, but the, the reason is, is because it's, it's transfer season. Everyone loves listening to yeah. the latest deals and that's exactly yeah. why we're doing a little transfer special today, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, we are going to be doing something with uh, Ben Jacobs. Um, for, he's, well, I think he's moving between uh, from CBS at the minute, but he's absolutely brilliant on Twitter. Um, we've actually got our notifications turned on for him now because he's just—he is really good, and he does bring you some stuff. Yeah, he—he he, he kind of just copies Fabrizio Romani and David Oinstein, just like retweets them. But he—he's actually a really good journal, like nearly quarter of a million followers on Twitter. Uh, he's quite close to all the transfer action and that, so it'll be brilliant to have him on to, on the show um eventually we have well, been trying everyone to get calls him on. Fabrizio Romano a tap-in merchant anyway so who, who do you believe you know it's just one of those <laughs> yeah. things David David Oinstein's the one isn't he he, he truly is the one well, um, well you say it's a tap-in but it's like well you, you you trust those guys it's like you might have heard something first but once you hear it from those guys it's like right it's actually some sustenance to it now it's that that reliability isn't it yeah, hundred um, percent. But let's start then. 
Should we go into? Should we look at Arsenal first? Because obviously you're making some big moves. Declan Rice is going to be the most expensive player in English football history. Uh, well, British transfer history. Um, just missing out on Enzo Fernandez, 106 million, I think Chelsea paid for it, Enzo Fernandez. Um, but yeah, I mean, look. Let, let, well, let's hear from you on that one, to be fair with you. Let's just Arsenal in general. But the, obviously, Declan Rice is where you want to start, isn't it? That's the one. Uh, yeah, that's the main one. That's sort of the, been the main thing over the summer, really, with everything. Um, I think, I think personally, I always thought that we would get him. I wasn't ever really that worried. I think, as you can tell through messages, Renan was just saying that nah, he only wants Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I don't know Declan Rice or anything like that. I'm just going off what all everyone else is saying, everything was just saying Arsenal. And yes, Manchester City may have came in with a bid, etc. But I don't think there was necessarily any sort of intent there. They were just sort of throwing a little fastball to see what happens. But as soon as that happened, it was like, right, let's no messing about here. Arsenal got the deal done where it, it appears we've got the, the fee agreed to 105 million. Obviously, I think everyone will know that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, once it does officially go through, you know, you never know what can happen in football. Might not even, you know, who who's to say yeah. something drastic happens and he doesn't sign. But if he is to sign, which it, we're going to, uh, you know, 95%, 99%, whatever you want to say, the percentage is, is done. You know, what an acquisition that would be to the midfield. I think um, we're sort of missing perhaps a bit of quality in, in depth in the centre of midfield. Yes, Thomas Pye had a good season, I think. Um, but perhaps maybe in those bigger games, he he has the tendency to not put in the best of performance. And, you know, I think, again, he's perhaps falls under the pressure a little bit. Adding in somebody like Rice, who's been a captain at West Ham, who has fantastic leadership skills, who has just won a European trophy, I think is the exact sort of person that you you need. And that's not even talking about his ability on the pitch. You've said yourself how how much you rate him, how good of a player he actually is, you know. And there's not many people. There's a lot of people who think that as well. You you just see the quality in which he has, the composure on the ball. Um, the sort of awareness of the game is those sorts of mental attributes which are so impressive. Yes, he can do the dirty work. Yes, he can put a foot in. You know, yes, he can pass the ball, but it's those additional attributes which you can't necessarily teach, which is what makes him stand out, I think. And no, yeah, 100%. And when we were talking about Declan Rice and before it really came to light that he wanted to stay in London, because I think there was a lot of talk of United, City and even Newcastle, I think, were mentioned in there as well. Obviously, Chelsea going back to the, its roots and playing with Mount, who obviously is now ending up at United in a bizarre twist of, you know, like fate sort of thing. Um, but it's like, I said to you, like, people are questioning, like some people are questioning the, the, the fee. But to me, he is 100% a £100 million player. I wouldn't, if Manchester United went and somehow got bought out tomorrow by the Qataris and then bosh, we smashed in 150 million for Rice. I'd be like <laughs> gutted, mate. You would not hear the <laughs> end of it. I would rinse you. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd be in tears. Yeah, like he I the only it's not it's are you start to think about things and you because obviously with all, all the all the positives with it you think about the negatives as well and you think well can he handle it playing for Arsenal at the top of the top of the league but then 
he performed for England on the big stage, you know, so you kind of rule that one out. And Arsenal and West Ham have just won a Europa, the Europa Conference League. And although that's the, the lesser competition in Europe, you're still thinking, well, it's still European football, you know, and it's European football, yeah. it's a cup top competition. Yeah, You've got some very good teams who have been within the competition. You know, I, I don't think you, you can just rule it out like no, that. no, obviously, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, oh, no, trying, no, to, I'm not trying to do that either. But it's like when you try to look at a, a negative, like you could say, oh, maybe how does he perform in, in big games sort of thing? And when you look at that, I mean, like a championship game, like a title game, but like a city. Arsenal City, well, yeah. or and we yet to, we haven't yet seen to that see from him. Yeah. yeah, that's the only thing you um, can I think, say. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's very much sort of clutching yeah. his straws. To be honest, there's a reason yeah. why you're paying that amount of money for him. If he was going to leave West Ham, it was always going to be that amount of money. Um, I don't think. I don't reason why though. I don't think he's a hundred. It's a hundred million if he's Italian. I think, oh, yeah. is, I think there's English tax on there, hundred percent. English you know I mean? tax, Premier League tax, yeah, obviously that's just how yeah. it is. But that's yeah. just that's how the market is at the end of the day. I, I think, I think in terms of the transfer fee, I think it will probably be one of the biggest of the summer. Um, I'm not too sure whether it will be the biggest transfer of the window because I think like United still might go for Kane, which I think would be huge. In the presence of the player, if that makes sense. Well, um, yeah, and obviously, if the Qataris do end up coming in at Manchester United, then who who knows what could happen? <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. I, I, not just Manchester United. I think City might pull something out of the bag. There's now talks that they're on the verge of agreeing a fee with the um, for the centre back from uh, Croatia, who I'm going to rely on you for a pronunciation there. Yosko um, Kvardiol. There you go. Um, yeah, I've and probably I've probably got it wrong. <laughs> you probably butchered it, but yeah, <laughs> I, I just think there's there there's more. There is more to come. I think I think Chelsea will still be very active, um, and we will go on to that later on. But before we go off track, let's just concentrate still on Arsenal. Um, I think I think the Havertz one is a little bit strange. Um, uh, that's really like come out of nowhere, and I was like, it doesn't ring true to me, and I, I I'm not convinced you're sold on it i think you're playing into the whole what i said about him etc and i get that and that's really all you can go off but you wouldn't sit there at the last season and go arsenal needs to sign Havertz. do you know what i mean it's one of them isn't it yeah and i can i totally see that it was like there's still a where's he going to play i don't think really anyone knows where he might play he might play up front he might play on the wing he might play in a more central midfield slash attacking midfield role, you know, no, there's not a clear position in, in in the first eleven for him to just slot into easily, is there? But mm. this is exactly the thing that everyone's been saying about Arsenal is that they haven't got enough depth and or enough quality in depth. Whereas yeah. you bring in somebody like Havertz, surely that's solving that that issue. All right, maybe he doesn't necessarily plug into a certain position straight away. But it's that depth again. And if everybody's saying that's what Arsenal were lacking and why we didn't end up winning the league, well, surely that's something that we've gone and exactly done because his versatility allows him to play across the front three in the midfield. Again, that's just opening up so many more options. And and then again, the other argument is, are you really going to be spending that sort of money to bring a player like that in who isn't necessarily quite clear on what he does and what you want from him? But 
you know, you can't win, can you? It's like, what do you no. want? You want no. to, if he went and sort bought, bought someone from I don't know from La Liga for fifteen million, people would say, well, he ain't going to cut it. That's not really adding in the quality, is it? You know, yeah. What do you want? It's like I, I know what you're saying, but I think we're doing well, exactly what we need to do. We're adding more more quality to the squad. You know, Kai Havertz, whether you rate him or not, you can, you know you can't deny what he's sort of done. I think he's come in. A difficult situation at Chelsea, um, where nothing has been stable or secure for him the whole time he's been there. When you're talking about head coach, um, you're talking about above above that in, in terms of the board, um, where they're playing, how they're playing, you know, and he's still performed to a, a decent standard. He's not been complete and utter dross. So I think within a right environment at an Arsenal where it's going to work and we're playing attacking free-flowing football, I don't think there's any reason as to why he wouldn't prosper. No, I I don't question the quality of the player. Um, I'd like to just say that previously, when we did do the podcast three years ago, and three, when when he first signed for Chelsea, remember we'd done an episode of Hot or Not, or whatever we called it, and I... Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, I was like, yeah, they aren't going to be these big stars. And you and Harry were like, they are, he is, they yeah, are. Yeah. And I'm like, they're not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I personally just don't rate the Bundesliga. But look, everything you've said is right on Havertz. Like, I don't question the quality of him. Um, I think it adds, you, you know, you could easily see him playing from the, he doesn't doesn't obviously give you the same effect as Saka because they're two different players, but he could play from the right. If Saka gives him a chance to bring that and, Vieira could play more centrally and, you know, you could even play Havertz from the left if you have to, play him as a, a 10. You could even play him as a 9 like Chelsea have been doing. So there's plenty of info you, you could get out of him. I'm not questioning that at all. I just think it was really, really like, when it was like Chelsea getting for Havertz, I was like, what? Well, like, where, where did this come from? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, so it's, and it, people can say about, the, about how much he costs and stuff like that as well, but... You know, as I said, I think I think that's what what you need, and you know, I think he does add a bit of something different to the team as well. Like if he does play up front, I think he is quite tall. You can sort of play off him. I think Thierry Henry was talking about it actually, and he said he he you can play with him when he's a bit more back to goal. Um, you can play where where you can sort of use him as a, not a target man because he's not really of that ilk, but he is in a way as well because he adds his technical ability along with his height, perhaps add a little bit of extra area ability because he's, he's, he's a tall bloke. Yeah. You know, there's not that much height in in the team up front other than that. Um, so no, I, I just think, again, it's just another good bit of business and I think it'll be quite similar to sort of the Trossard signing where you, you'll, he'll come in and add quality and he can sort of, you'll will utilise him in a, in a host of different roles. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's just, for me, like, I'm just repeating myself, but it's just come from nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Just... Have, you, um, have you heard the rumours with uh, linking Arsenal to Mbappe, though, for next year? <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I'm just going to say this. Even if United were to be uh, taken over by the Qataris tomorrow, Mbappe's going nowhere but Madrid. So it's it's gross. <laughs> like, you just don't buy into that at all. Like, I see a report about Mbappe and I'm like, garbage <laughs> do you know what i mean because it's just not what it's well, just, it'd just be the happen. typical like more oh, mccarteta likes mbappe well well yeah i mean you would have thought he probably did didn't he <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i think i saw pep the other week they're like is, is do you think city will sign mbappe and he's like 
now he's going to Real Madrid. We all know where he's going, so I don't even know why you're asking me. Which is true, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it, it, it's not yesterday's chip, uh, new, uh, you know, chip paper. It's bloody freaking five years ago fishing chip paper, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's just like he's going to Madrid. Shock horror when he signs for Madrid. Do you know what I mean? Like, you'd have thought, yeah. Well, who yeah. knows? You'd have thought so. I think he, he is pretty much destined for that. Yeah. Um, another Arsenal one I will quickly mention though is Aurelien Chouameni at um, Real Madrid. Um, there yeah. has been linked with him as well with another potential midfield replacement, especially if we're losing Granite Xhaka and potentially Thomas Partey. I think that would be extremely unlikely. That's what it seems to be, the the reports are saying. But, I mean, if we manage to get him and Rice, I mean, I'd be very, very happy. I I mean, I would be in utter shock if that happened. I saw it and I just didn't even bother, bother, uh, bother messaging about it because it's like... They only just signed him last year for like 80 million, and it's not like he's had a bad season. He was actually decent for him when he played. Well, um, well so yeah, I... it was just sort of more of obviously like I don't think Ancelotti's necessarily played him as much as they wanted. Obviously, with yeah. um, Camavinga, um, you know, Cruz, Valverde, um, Bellingham now, you know, they've got <laughs> so much talent there. It's like may, perhaps they would let him go in order to help facilitate another move where they could strengthen elsewhere. But, yeah. you know, it's. 100% a long shot. And I, I mean, again, as you just quite rightly said, they only bought them last year from Monaco for about, what, 80 million. Um, yeah. So if it would cost Arsenal again a, a fee like that, I think I've heard to get him. So, yeah, in, incredibly unlikely again. Yeah, 100%. But who knows? I, I agree with you. You never know in the world of football. Um, and just quickly before we move on from Arsenal, it looks like they're going to get Jeremy, um, Jeremy Timber from uh, Ajax around about 40, 45 million, which, you know, versatility wise there, you know, a lot of criticism for not rotating right white last year, but then obviously, um, oh, to shit, what's his name? The uh, fullback. For yeah. Tommy Asu was injured. Tommy Asu was injured. Yeah. So, yeah so, obviously we couldn't rotate him. Yeah. So I just think it gives you the option there. And obviously he was like heavily linked with Manchester United until they went to Martinez. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that would be another great sign and gives you the option especially when we saw how much of um, a difference it made with Saliba being out of the side. And we did emphasize the fact of like Eva Holden, I mean, Kavor or Kawa, whoever, how you want to pronounce it, actually, he actually did fill in all right, to be fair with you. Um, but yeah, definitely highlighted Holden. And I'd be surprised if Holden was still there if you signed him. But... Well, well, yeah, I mean, if, if we keep Holden as perhaps, like, I don't know, like the fifth choice centre-back or whatever, I'm pretty sure he himself would be happy and so would we. Like, I'd have him if we needed to play him in a Carabao Cup game or a, a throwaway Champions League game, like, cool. Um, but, yeah, adding Timber in, as you like you say, again, just more strength and depth. And the versatility, can play on the right, can play at the centre. I think either him or White would be the clear number two behind Saliba. Yeah. Um but no, I'm really happy in, in, in summary, really happy with Arsenal's business so far and how it appears. If they get those, have uh, Rice and Timber deals over the line, then yeah, that's, you know, grade grading that at what, an A? Like, you know, you yeah. can't really get much better. You're improving in three key areas. Also going to depend if we see some departures, you know, if, if you know, if party goes, if Xhaka does end up actually going, you know, it'd be interesting to see if anything else happens. But yeah. Pretty solid, I think, at, for the time being. Yeah. Now, let's move on to depressing things and uh, Manchester United um, because it's not been it's not been the transfer window what I expected, although it's difficult with Manchester United because they operate 
so bizarrely that they run it so much like a business. And June is when United produced their quarter for and also obviously end of football year financial results. So traditionally, they've always done their business in July. Um, so as much as I can sit here and moan about the transfer window, and I have, um, and I will now, that it wouldn't surprise you if United just go and do like four, three or four deals in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think a lot is being said about the transfer budget, what they've got, which I don't necessarily buy that, because there was also another rumour that we signed Mason Mount or we agreed a deal with Chelsea. And I think the way deals are structured, that's kind of registered with the Premier League that United have agreed this. So that 50 million, whatever we're going to pay Chelsea, 50, 55 million, will come out of last season's or and financial fair play ruling. And then the 100 million starts from now for this season. So, but I don't, I just don't really know. It's so sh- rubbish. Like how... It's all developing at United this summer. It's just, but then I don't know whether to believe it either because, like, I think a lot of stuff is written just to rile the fans up because we know clickbait. And I think, like, uh, there's so many people who just latch onto the fact that, oh, United have only got 100 million to spend. And also, you've got to think about it reversing that. United have always had United tax. Now, if we sit there and go, we've got 200 million, we've got unlimited resources, we could buy who we want. Well, now Mason Banks 90 million, and this is what's always happened. So the fact that they're saying we've only got 100 million, like in the case of Anana right now, there's always this talk of like how we just said, like, you know, oh, we admire him. Oh, we're we're looking at him. We're doing this. And in actual fact, we could be directly talking to Milan behind the scenes and they know we're not going to go above 50 million because... We don't want to be like that no more. Do you know what, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, you know, there was chief executive. There was an, I read an article the other day where someone, a, a, I can't remember who it was. Someone within Manchester United was like, yeah. As soon as the chief executive picked the phone up, he was like, oh yeah, he, he's forty million. They'll just add an extra 10, 20 million onto the price. Like, um, what's the guy's name? Is a Paul Torres, who's now gone to um, Aston Villa. Now, well, I remember United being linked with him, and all you had was sixty-five million pound release clause, sixty-five million pound release clause, six. And I think Fabrizio Romano was like, "Yeah, Villa have paid nowhere near his release clause. They've agreed like a, a deal of like forty million, and you're like, well, United would be paying the release clause. There's no doubt about it. And I know that's the price you pay for being these big clubs and producing these massive turnovers and stuff. Like that, and I get it, but you look at the Kovacic deal going to City. 30 million for a player who have a year left on his contract. I know he's a little bit older, but then United are now paying double that for a player of his last year of his contract. And you're like, well, how does that work? Or I know it's because he's English and he's 24. And I, yeah, I get that. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. And, but, and, yeah, but you can't I, say there's like United tax when, and Man City wouldn't because everyone knows obviously how affluent uh, Manchester City are. So that, that doesn't really make sense, does it? No, but there is a thing called Manchester United tax. Yeah, it I know there is. It, it is known that United, as soon as they go in for a player, it's just... I'm not bossed. sure I should believe it, to be honest. You know what I mean? But anyway, you know, I, I just... I, I don't know how United are playing it. it it's it's so confusing. Like, I, I think if... I think it's obvious that their top striker target is Harry Kane. 
But I, I think that depends. If if Bayern Munich now went and got a bid accepted of 80 million, then United could just go, right, bang, 80 million again. We'll match that. And then Harry Kane could then go, right, well, if you've accepted Bayern's, you need to accept United's because I I, I'm going to go there. And then it kind of forces Harry Kane's hand. Whereas before with the Man City move, when that failed, it was only Man City. So there was no one else to actually prolong it and make it happen. Does that does that make sense? But, yeah. And also the contract situation at the time he had three years left on his deal at, at Spurs. So I think if Bayern sparked that and they won, they got that deal like agreed or there was a, an offer accepted, I think United would then step in. The hand would be forced. Well, well, yeah, because everything that we've seen at the minute is not by Munich. Man- Manchester United haven't really been associated with no. Kane that much, have they? No, but I think that's also. I think, right? Did you see Manchester United going for Mason Mount in the summer? I, I where did that come from? Yeah, like, I mean, and, there's rumours like with Arsenal, I think, but and and Liverpool, I, yeah, I, I, Liverpool and Arsenal were the main ones, uh, and then all of a sudden. Bang, United. It's come out of nowhere. Well, so maybe, just quickly maybe. on Mount, just him as a player and what he brings. I, it was quite interesting. Um, I saw um, uh, we did a parlay sports video. Um, if you haven't seen that, check that out on our Twitter, at yeah. ITNOF podcast. Um, we did that with uh, some uh, from the Daily Guna podcast. And he, he would put an interesting tweet out, actually, just sort of saying, why have Manchester United gone for Mount? You know, You've got, if, say, you had a midfield three of what Casemiro, Mason Mount, and Bruno Fernandez. You're lacking a sort of a ball player there who's got a bit of tempo. Who's going to, you know, play between the lines? There's no no clear sort of out and out um, ball player there. And I know Bruno Fernandez is obviously going to be playing those through balls and defence splitting passes, but who's the guy in there who's going to sit and control the tempo as such? You know, it, what do you think of the signing in itself? Is it like? additional player for who can who's going to be quite versatile and perhaps play in that Bruno role if needed or play from the wing or is he going to play in that front three well first thing middle first, three sorry first things first I and I said this on that parlay video actually I am not a Mason Mount fan I don't I'm not bought into this Mason Mount thing the thing I will say is that everything Eric Ten Hag has done in transfer wise yes I slagged off their course, for example, but for what we needed him to do and what Ten Hag could do, he probably got the best which was available to him. Do you know what I mean? Like it, you said, it. There's some stats out there which will we played arguably our best football with him. In well, we got the better results of him in the side. So maybe it was worth everything we done, and maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm no football expert. I'm just a supporter like yourself. Um, but. With Mount, I do actually. I saw an article where he had like very, very good high pressing stats, very, very good defensive stats. So he's kind of like an all round midfielder. A lot of people look at him as more, more of an attacking player, but he's actually very energetic around the pitch in general. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I think at times it let United down last year where you had like an Ericsson beside Casemiro and you never saw Ericsson. You would never think, well, that's. Ericsson's role, would you? You think he was more of an advanced player. So for Mount to drop back in there and United moving away from that more two man holding midfield and letting Casemiro do that work and 
You've then got that option, like Bruno and Mank could both be ball players if you needed them to. They could, you could drop him in and play with like essentially two eights at times when you need to overcrowd your midfield, like your, you know, a Liverpool or a City game and Liverpool. They're the games where you might be able to see the best of them. So, and it also it allows you to go Casemiro with Fernandez beside him and put Mount in there and be more of a pressing player. And make Bruno the ball player. So you've got because Bruno, a lot of people think that Bruno is just this attacking midfielder. Well, actually, he played in the two at Sporting. I don't know, it's yeah. a different it's a different league, but he's at Bruno Fernandez. I think there was a time last year where Ericsson was injured and they dropped in deep. And he was pinging balls left, right, and center. He looked absolutely he looked like a quarterback. He was yeah. unbelievable. And yeah, personally, I think it would work. I think yeah. it would work. Because I think Casemiro is good enough with the ball. You know, I think uh, it's not as if he, he was ever underrated with the how he could play football, but no one never really no. realised just how good he was, you know, with the ball at his feet and, and his passing ability. I think uh, Casemiro is good enough to do that. And as you said, equally with Bruno, he definitely does have the capability to drop be deeper if need be. And just adding that little bit of extra mobility uh, and, and pressing ability in the midfield, as well as, you know, you can't deny, I think he's... Very, very sound technically as well, Mason Mount. I think that that could potentially offer a, a very solid uh, middle three. Mm. Absolutely, hundred percent. He's um, yeah, it, it could. It, it, the more and more I listen to it, and the more stats I see, etc., I'm like, I'm buying into this. <laughs> you know, um, his stats weren't that great at Chelsea's last year, but whose was? You yeah, know, exactly. You, you, you I don't can't... really. I think you got to take everything about Chelsea well, just... player with a pinch of salt, haven't you? Well, we just said it about Havertz, yeah. so we can't say it about Havertz and then go against no, Mount. Same thing, yeah. Um, and you know, we've said it before. You can sit there. I, I, I've said it just a second ago. I'm not a huge Mason Mount fan. I used to sit there and watch England games and go, "Just take him off. Just take him off." Do you know what I mean? But you know, like I mean, but the episode with Peter Blexley, like he saw that Brozovic absolutely ran the game. He went to see him was the best player on the pitch, got home, watched the highlights. He done one thing. Yeah. And he was like, that can't be the same game. And that was the same thing at Manchester United. You know, we just highlighted it with Casemiro. You do not know how good they are until you've got them in your team. Yeah. And it stands out more. I mean, Teddy Sheringham. I I, I remember Teddy Sheringham. It's when we signed Teddy Sheringham to replace Eric Cantona, I was like, <laughs> what on earth have we just done? You know, yeah, all right. Teddy Sheringham's going to like replace Eric Cat now. You have just absolutely lost your marbles, Fergie. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we won the treble. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, well, I don't know if he directly replaced Cantona, but it was looked as this Cantona signing, yeah, you know, know like, and look how good he was for United. He, he turned out to be a superb player for us. So, who knows, you know, um. No, I mean, it's interesting, and I think you're within every right as well to sort of trust Ten Hag and what he's done. It's, it'd be exactly the same with me with Arteta. Yeah, you yeah. know, you could question the Habert sign, and maybe there is some doubt, but I, I trust Arteta as well to make the right decisions within those with those players. Um, yeah. But we've gone on about Mount a little bit too much. Let's just quickly talk about Onana because it appears that your beloved David De Gea. Well, he's either on on his way out of Old Trafford, or he's at least going to be not going to be number one anymore. So you must be pretty joyous right now. Look, look you know, uh, anyone who's a listener to the podcast or everyone who knows me personally, they know what I think about David De Gea. Uh, you know, I will say, but I do, I do also think it was a time of where it couldn't have been any worse anyway. 
that he at times he was a great servant to us and he did perform absolute wonders but then the team in front of him was absolutely shite you know it, it's no it's no it, it cut it, you know it's no coincidence we've improved the team in front of him the midfield etc we get the most clean seats in the premier league he gets the golden glove yeah because look what's in front of him now you know Varane, martinez casimiro Ericsson, Bruno, it's a completely different to Marcus Rojo and Phil Jones, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. let's look, you know, so. Did you see somebody made, took the time to make a one hour and 40 feature length film um, displaying every single David De Gea blunder since his, in his, in, across his entire football career? Oh, hang on. Was the video an hour and 40 minutes? Yeah. Well, that just spells, that just, uh, how can you get 140 minutes of goalkeeping mistakes? <laughs> I saw I, I saw a brilliant tweet. It, it was absolutely magical. It was like, Manchester United should offer David De Gea 375 grand a week. They should keep him. And what they should do is put the 375 grand a week outside of his six-yard box because he'll never claim it. And I was like, <laughs> that's, that's the tweet of the year. And I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> but it, it, it's just, look... Um, I think well, well we've heard about your listen, your opinions on yeah, the hair. Okay, though. right. Let's, <laughs> let's just go on to the actual tran uh, him going. Look, you know, this for me just emphasizes the fact that, that there is only one person in charge at Old Trafford. If you are to believe rumors of the reports and stuff, I think it was Chris Wheeler who reported it. Um that United offered a De Gea a, a contract on reduced terms. He accepted it, sent the contract back. And under Ten Hag's orders, United pulled out of the deal and offered him another contract, again, on reduced terms to the one he'd already agreed. Now, and apparently saying there's no guarantees of you being the first choice goalkeeper anymore. Now, why can't he do that? You know, this is Ten Hag. Reputations are not, you know, the time for sympathy in football is gone. You, You know, you look at Pep Guardiola. He came in his first season at Man City. Joe Hart had won titles for Man City. He was absolutely brilliant for Man City. England's number one. Was three months, in, three months in the, I think he played one game, didn't he? He made his mind back. up here before. He was never going to yeah. keep Joe Hart as a keeper. Never. Exactly. And But that Joe Hart was probably Man City's best keeper for about 50 years. Yeah. You know, and they just ditched him. And that's what you've got to be. Like, Ronaldo, you know, he won that war. And it looks like he's he's going to win the De Gea war. Now, well, that's the thing about Ten really... Hag, isn't it? He, he's just ruthless. He knows what well, he wants, and he's just going to go out and do it. Exactly. I, I watched... Right. Watch the compilation... Well, I can't bloody say it now. Watch the, watch the video what someone made of Onana in the cup final against Man City. The risk the guy was taking. Oh, like, he's unbelievable, my God. isn't he? And then... Go and see how many goals he conceded from mistakes last year. None. He's quality. He's so good. At, and then you look at the Haya, he does nothing like Anana. Nothing like that. He Four. literally plays as like an extra defender. Like he's, yeah. he, he, as again, literally in that Champions League final, he was playing so high out of his box and like, he almost becomes like another centre back yeah. in possession. And, and he's, you know, he's, he's disrupt, he's distributing is, is unbelievable. Like, and it's not just that he's an unbelievable shot stopper as well. So it, it's a no brainer to be going for somebody like Onana. Like oh, he, he's quality. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that we've actually, it, 
I'm not being funny. We could have got Peter Shilton out of retirement. I would have been delighted that he's gone. <laughs> you know what I mean, it, it, the time for sentiment is gone. In well, let's not forget as well. Um, obviously, Anana was with uh, Ten Hag at Ajax, so they've yeah. already got a relationship there. There's yeah. already that trust. I think you'll you'll definitely end up getting him, won't you? It's just be a matter of time. Well, I just saw it. I saw before we come on that there was a tweet from Ben Jacobs uh, saying that apparently a Saudi Arabian team has lined up a bid for Anana and they've presented an offer. Now, for me, that stinks of the United. The Anana's agent was like, "Come on, we're going to push this deal." Do you know what I mean, we're going to do something. Like, really? it was a, 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 um, I think it was Sonia Loco got a lot of stick on it. Of talk any Loco, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Any Loco got a lot of a lot of heat from it from Talk Sport. Yes, and I, I kind of it kind of sounds just like what I'm saying. But you've heard it before from agents where they drum up interest from other clubs just to get. I'm not going down the Loco route, right, and saying that. You know, another club. I've, I've rung up another club, and we're going to make a bid for him. No, it, you know, you would. It happens all the time where agents jump up interest from somewhere else just to prod a team along, and yeah, that's probably what they need. And wouldn't it be surprising? We've just talked about the relationship with United and uh, with Ten Hag and Anana. Maybe Ten Hag's gone to the agent and go, just tell him there's someone else interested, <laughs> and then and then United will bid for him. And because if not, like, and I'm going to say it now, and I don't know if I've already said it, I wouldn't be surprised if he walks Ten Hag. The way it's going at the minute, the way it looks like it's going, uh, they just don't look like they're backing him. Like I know they spent two hundred thirty million last year, but if his number one target was like Harry Kane and there's nothing happening, I mean, if you're going to get Mount and then Onana, like why are they not backing him? And like I, I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, I still think I still think there's going to be an element of. With this takeover, there's still going to be a bit of uncertainty and what they're actually doing and what the plan is going forward. And there's going to be a bit of delay in the business purely because of how long it's going to take with uh, the takeover. Like I know you've said to me uh, off air, sort of that it shouldn't really impact it, but I think there's still going to be at least an element of it that is going to just yeah. be disrupting it. Yeah, like you said, not going too much into it, but my take on that is simply because I think because of the way Manchester United has run and it's, a, it's, a, it's effectively a business, that 100 million or let's say 150 million, whatever United have on transfers, seems to be the normal for Manchester United every season. They get 150 million. So it's like written into their P&L that they can spend 150 million, no questions asked. If you go over that, that's when we start questioning it. That's when you'll start getting sign offs from the glazers to spend more money etc i think um so yeah, yeah but, well, if you're saying that's like that 100 million then and that's that well that's mount and onana really that's it that isn't yeah it? but then it, obviously they can generate that through player sales if they get anything yeah. i think that the thing is 100 million and then they can spend anything else they generate on sales well yeah so i mean we've Fred's got a top been of linked Fred's been linked to go out, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, maybe Mason Greenwood, he could be leaving. Don't know what's going on with that one. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's plenty there. You've got, um, obviously, McTominay's been linked away. Um, like you just said, uh, Fred and Maguire, that's still not going away. There's a lot of fringe players there who've been told that, you know, you forget Alex Tellez, Eric Bailly, Henderson, you know, Henderson on the way to Forest, that sort of thing. So there's plenty there to go out the door if we need it to. And, you know, let's just hope that the Saudis get their act together and come and take Martial for like 50 million or something like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know we can we can but hope. But yeah, there's plenty going on at United. So we'll actually see where they go with that. And it, it, I just think it's a little bit muddy. I just think it's, it's not set. Although I, I go back to my initial point and they might have learned their lesson 
they're not actually shouting about the players they want to buy now. I didn't see an, like Anana again. It's not something which has been linked all all during the winter, the, the season, and then all of a sudden we're going for him. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Mason Mount. It's not you haven't seen it link, link, link. It's just come from near enough anywhere. It's just out of the blue. Right, we're going to sign Mount. It's a bit like Martinez last year. You know, there's little things which are just coming. Like, and it's just yeah. So maybe we've learned our lesson. Or yeah, we'll maybe see. we're just maybe we're just skint and we ain't got nothing, <laughs> and the Glazers need to die. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I did see something interesting before we go further on the takeover that um, apparently, um, or Ben Jacobs, I think, uh, alluded to it again. We, we keep name dropping him in there, but they were saying I was in the Twitter space with him the other day, and he was saying how potentially all the groundwork is being done in the background on the Qataris or Jim Radcliffe, whoever they've chosen in the background to then do all the checks, etc. So they can just make an announcement because let's look at this closely. They've only done two things. Uh, There's so much talk and it's all media talk. If we, if we look at it properly, you've heard the Glazers say that they were looking at investment with a potential full sale. And they made that announcement in like November time. And then the only other thing they've done was been pictured welcoming both Sid Joan Radcliffe and um, uh, the Sheikh's entourage to Old Trafford. That's the only two things which have happened. No, There's been no official statements, anything other than we're looking for investment and potential sale and them two being welcomed to the club. Other than that, you've heard nothing official for Manchester United. So why wouldn't it then just go sold? <laughs> because they don't play uh, they don't play their business out in the public. The Glazers have never, ever said anything about Manchester United in public. Nothing. You, they're not like when they're like you watch a lot of American football and the NFL, but you don't. They always talk about um the Buccaneers, don't they? They're like when they win the titles, when they won the Super Bowl, they were on the pitch, weren't they? You know, and they they, they took had the picture taken with the Super Bowl trophy and everything. That doesn't happen at United. They don't yeah. talk about match United. You know, so what? So all of a sudden, we've heard nothing from the Glazers in seventeen years, and now, oh, they know it's going to be six billion. They know it's going to be five billion. They know it's going to be sold to this person. You, you, bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's all done behind the scenes, and I would not be surprised. From nowhere, sold. Because look at Newcastle. It was like nothing, 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 wasn't there? Lots of rumours of takeovers, and all of a sudden, sold. So, yeah, anyway, look. Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Yeah, 40 minutes in the podcast with any coverage United and Arsenal. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You know what I mean? Well, let's, let's go through a few of the main other deals then. Obviously, Sandro Tonali... Uh, that one's officially confirmed today, wasn't it? After, I mean, I think everyone knew again that he was going to be on his way. Um, what do you think about that one? Obviously, Newcastle spending heavily. Uh, I think we are probably going to see them come out and spend quite heavily now, uh, a bit more than they have done the last couple of years. They're slowly uh, building that up. Obviously, now secure Champions League football. I don't think they're going to stop at Sandro Tonali, are they? Um, I th- what do you think of the signing? Because I think yeah, I think he he's going to be I think he's going to be quality. To be honest, I think I mean, we both quite rate him quite highly. 
I think we both quite rate, uh, uh, highly rate him through Football Manager stats. <laughs> um, I, I mean, we That's do a big you part do, of it. <laughs> yeah, you do watch a lot of Italian football, and from what I've seen of him, he is a decent player. Um, I think it is another step towards this Newcastle spending power. The only thing I'd be a little bit worried, I did hear a lot of stories that he didn't really want to make the move happen to Nali, but it was more to do with what was going on at Milan with the whole Paolo Mandini thing, um, etc. You know, with the fallen out and his controversial exit from the club, and obviously that's affected my my gone as well, the keeper, and I think there's a few other um, Teo Hernandez as well as another one. So it would kind of, I wouldn't be surprised that he's not there for long either. Uh, you know, be quickly yeah. moved on. You know, just, just quickly on that. Um, there's sort of the structure um, at, at Milan. They're owned by um, they've got American owners, and basically, mm. I've. They what they want to do. I've heard. I think uh, Nima Tavali from Italian Football Podcast. He's spoken about it quite a bit. Sort of how they want to. Uh, they're sort of very, very much going American. They sort of want money ball tactics. So we have spoken about it on the pop podcast before. So money ball sort of uh, more of a focus on data and analytics. And I think they're quite happy just to recuperate the money, uh, the seventy million fee. Um, I think there's a 10% sell-on clause in there for Milan as well. So, yeah, uh, going back to your point, sort of how he doesn't necessarily want to be there. I don't know if he ne Tonali necessarily wanted to leave, but it was like, right, we've got this bit, we're accepting it because we want the money, so you're going to have to leave. Um, and I know a lot of Milan fans are pretty upset by that, and it's sort of how the sort of Premier League takeover now and the Premier League sort of becoming like a Super League. But again, you can't like, the Tonali thing, you can't necessarily compare it because... Tonali, albeit yes, he is a Milan fan. He was a Milan fan as a boy. He didn't. He's not a one club man. He was at Brescia before that, so it is slightly yeah. different. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty interesting how what's going to happen at Milan. But yeah, uh, it's, I think you're right as well. Yeah, um, going to see Newcastle spend a bit more money. I haven't necessarily seen them linked to too many other players. I don't know if you have though. No, I've got to be honest with you. I haven't really seen a lot of it, but I did see some of today. Uh, Newcastle United's uh, spending since uh, the takeover now up to three hundred nineteen million, with a net spend of three hundred and four million. Which is again like, look, you know, it's completely different to Man City. You know, we've been sla we've been slated for being a little bit jealous towards what Man City have achieved, and you can look at that and say whatever it's going to be natural because obviously they beat your team to the title. They're my rivals in my, you know, the the United, you know, they are one of our main rivals. You know what, what, what are we? Yeah, there'll be a slight bit of jealousy in there, but we were we are actually generally fighting the cause of football in general, not just you know our jealousy or whatever you want to look at it, but. If Newcastle are doing it right, um, I, actually, I did see um, Tino uh, Livermento linked. Uh, that went a bit dead um, from Southampton for twelve million. Which again, you know, Newcastle United replacing their right back Trippier before we've even replaced Gary Neville. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I think Newcastle United seem to be doing it right. Um, Rumours of them only having seventy-five million does kind of add up. You know, if Tonali's a fifty-five million pound transfer, Livermento sixty and another twelve million on him brings up to around about seventy million. So, with with sales going on, a net spend of seventy-five million seems about right. I think Newcastle United will project project their money and spend a lot more after next season because then you've got that turnover is included with the from Champions League football next season because they haven't necessarily got that money as effect because so you can't really. You know they could get knocked out in the first round, in in the knockout in the group stages, 
and then they've lost potentially. Yeah, but the, I mean, well, their, their league finish last season uh, and the fact they have got Champions League football for next season will obviously, in part, allow them to spend more, more within yeah. financial fair play, obviously. But uh, and you, but you have just said what it's been. They've spent what three hundred million on transfers net. Um, yeah since the takeover so yeah. you know perhaps perhaps there is a limit on what they can do because as we said yeah. i have we haven't really seen them too heavily linked with anyone else um but i mean yeah. i think tonali again will be a fantastic sign and you already look at the basis of what newcastle have got do they necessarily need anyone they obviously already got gordon not too long ago um mm. we've already raved about the likes of wilson and um isaac in the team you know the defense for the most part of last season was extremely solid um so just adding in that extra bit of quality in the midfield, perhaps all they've been missing. So yeah, I think Newcastle again will put up a pretty strong fight. I mean, it's certainly going to be. It seems like the Premier League is going to continue to be uh, more and more com- competitive, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like you just said, um, with that, I think one criticism you can say of Newcastle United last year when they did get a bit of injuries, the midfield was the area where it was. As soon as Bruno Gomez was injured, you noticed it. You know and. So they did need that little bit of strength and depth in that midfield area. And that is, you know, that is a good sign. And um, I'm just a little bit, I don't think he's reached them levels of what um, is expected of him yet, but, or, or, you know, through what I've seen of him or heard about him. Um, But then again, we're not seeing him week in, week out, are we? You know, as soon as he gets here, we're watching him on Soccer Sat, you know, Super Sunday and all that sort of stuff. Maybe we'll see this 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 player what we always thought he was. Um, well, yeah, well, yeah, and I, yeah. I sort of spoke about it. obviously I've, I've watched quite a lot of Milan last year, and um, I think by and large I was a little bit underwhelmed this potentially with his technical ability. I expected perhaps a little bit more in terms of his passing and play, controlling the game with his tempo. But the only negative of that was sort of um, Milan play. Don't play like that. Milan are very certainly last year under Pioli. They were very sort of counter-attacking, um, not too much heavily um, in possession, uh, a bit more direct. And you know, so you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think he, he'll be. He'll end up working working out well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's a great sign. And I mean, moving on from Newcastle, I mean, there's not been a lot of linkage with departures, etc. They've been a good bit quiet, haven't they? Really, but. If we were to look, at, well, well, how long we got? Because if you go on about Chelsea, we could be here for a long time. You know, <laughs> like the amount of departures, I couldn't even reel them off. You've got like, I think M- Mendy's gone, Koulibaly's gone. I think Azpilicueta's gone. I think... Um, He's on the verge, at least. Yeah, you've got Mason Mount, you've got Kai Havertz, you've got Kante's gone, you know, like what on earth like i don't know if i mentioned kulabai you know like there is so many departures and well those, they, they needed it didn't they yeah um, they did but oh, it's just oh, it's outrageous isn't it so i think it's yeah well yeah and it's actually quite interesting a few reports that have come out obviously um links between saudi arabia chelsea todd bowley as well um obviously can't confirm or deny whether it's fact or not, but there have been some reports. Obviously, there has been some dodgy dealings there, hasn't there? I think you know a little bit more about it than me. Yeah, I looked into this and I actually asked again, name drop it in. Ben Jacobs on a Twitter space the other week, and he said basically it's someone on the Chelsea board is um, ahead of a group of hotels or something, which the Saudi Arabian company 
who are also linked with Newcastle, they own part of the company who he is a part of. So it's a very, very, it's probably like me now going into my work tomorrow and asking them to buy a part a little bit of the company down the road, which I used to work for, who my mum knows. Do you know what I mean? It's one of them. I think it's a bit yeah. bit clutching at straws. Um, and I was one of them who was clutching at straws, probably wanting them to get done again. Um, <laughs> but I think when something happens like that, and Ben Jacobs was very good at explaining this, you're not seeing overinflated prices for them players. Yeah, you're seeing it on the wage level, but if Koulibaly had have gone to um wherever he's gone to Saudi Arabia for like 80 million in actual fact he's probably gone under below market value so I think his transfer well, fee is probably about 25 to 30 million which well, Chelsea have actually Chelsea have actually took a loss on that you know um and Mendy was a loss as well so well, not- I don't know about that because obviously what Koulibaly is now what 32 he's come off uh, a poor season at Chelsea um you know is it really? There wasn't really any other interest around Europe. And I'm no, not but, too sure whether it is. Maybe it is slightly inflated. It, no, I, but it, I think what, and it's exactly, I, I kind of agreed with, with what Ben was saying. You're not looking at like a 60, 70 million yeah. pound transfer. Around then 20 have, million, yeah. Yeah, it's fair but, enough. Then you'd have to question it. If these players were going to, like Kante, I don't think I, I think Kante was quite relatively cheap. Or was it a free transfer? Is he going on a free or something? Yeah, I, I don't so think he's there's actually a fee not, involved. The thing what Chelsea are doing is getting their players off the books, and they've just hit the exit jackpot. Haven't they? That's all they've done. They've they've hit the outgoing jackpot. They've got someone who's willing to pay him relatively okay money. But the biggest thing for Chelsea is that they've probably played cooler by you could 250, 300 grand a week. You know, Kante probably on a good whack of wage. Yeah, you know, they're clearing that uh, wage budget, aren't they? It's going to be huge, and they just yeah. they re- desperately need to trim that squad. It was massive, like the outrageous reports that they couldn't even fit everyone in like the dressing room and things like yeah. that. It was just yeah. silly. So yeah, I mean, it's just way too 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 much going on there. And, and they've got a good couple of signings there, um, and Kuku's coming now from um, Leipzig, yeah. and they've also signed um, Jackson from um, Villarreal, who was actually, um, I think he was the top goal scorer in the second part of the um, uh, La Liga season, had something like uh, 15 goals towards the end of the last 11 games of the season, something stupid like that. Really, like, quite, um, what you call it? Yeah, oh, I've completely lost it now. Clinical in front of goal. Um, yeah, so well, everyone needed a needed needed striker. Yeah, so they've they've, they've probably they're probably strengthened in the right areas at the minute, and they've probably got rid of the competition. And I wouldn't say competition, but the, 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 sometimes the manager, when he's got all these options, they they, they tend to tinker too much. Do you know what I mean? So they've kind of like now got that right. We've only got four centre ass rather than six or seven so you you constantly rotating it and trying your hardest to squeeze someone in who might have had a good training session that week oh yeah um, for sure and that was definitely a big part part of their um, issues i mean they have still been linked with some other other players though i mean there is one player who's actually been linked with a number of premier league clubs and that's gabri vega um Salavigo. don't know if you've seen but liverpool are interested chelsea and manchester city reportedly Obviously, with Manchester City looking like the well, it, missing out on Rice, um, they still appeared to, to one another a midfielder. So Gabriel Vega potentially, and then obviously Liverpool. 
Um, they've obviously got Alexis McAllister in, but they still want some more midfield uh, recruitment. Um, so, yeah, well, he's also, another option. Well, we can we can kind of talk about that as well and mix that in with this. You know, we can link this in with Chelsea, obviously. But obviously, uh, Zabazai signed for uh, Liverpool yesterday cool. as well. Or Zabazai, should I say. That's the, the correct pronunciation of that one. Um, yeah, he signed for Liverpool yesterday. A um, little bit crazy on the stats. They're going like, oh, yeah, brilliant stats. I'm like, well, okay, let's just chill out. There isn't that many players who've come to the Premier League and been brilliant from the Bundesliga. Let's just remember that one. Um, but, yeah, um, I think also they've been linked with Leve uh, Romeo, Romeo Levea from Southampton as to um, of Arsenal. Um but I think it's for Liverpool. I think more I've seen either him or Ferran from Nice, um, which would be a kick in the balls from Sir, Jer Sir, Sir Jim Radcliffe to sell Ferran to, to Liverpool. That would be quite convenient, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, they're the two ones that I've had linked with Liverpool: Lavia and Ferran. Um, I'm not too sure about this other gent, this other guy you've mentioned. I think he was linked with PSG today. I saw as well, um, but I, I don't know enough about him to be fair. If you, I'm not going to lie. So Gabri Vega. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's um, at Salt of Vigo. He actually um, had pr a pretty uh, productive season, I believe. He had eleven goals and f five assists, something like that. Um, pretty high um, output, and he's obviously still pretty young. Uh, I think he's got release cause of about forty million euros. So, um, yeah, I mean, don't know how how he'd cut it in the Premier League, but it certainly seems to be an interesting player. Yeah, well, we'll see. But I think Chelsea is going to be. It's going to be such a weird. I, I I couldn't actually sit here and tell you the Chelsea team next year potentially. Well, it's... yeah, I mean it could be whatever you don't know. And Pochettino's only now just officially come in. So yeah, but it's just yeah, but it's like you sit there and you you look at you could name Arsenal's potentially strongest starting eleven. Yeah, you could name Man City's potentially starting eleven. You could name United's. You could probably name do Spurs if you want and Liverpool. Check, do Chelsea. Yeah, I don't even know who plays for Chelsea. You know, well, like, the minute it's Kepper and goal, isn't it? But they, they're they still in the hunt for Onana. Are we doing this, are we? Yeah. <laughs> Reese uh, James. Reese James. Yeah. Centre um, Thiago Silva's still there, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't even. <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> like, he must be. Thiago Silva's still there, surely. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And I think got... They've obviously got Baddy Ashile. I've got it up now. Baddy Ashile. Yeah, you've got it up, though, but you're cheating. Wesley Fofana, you know, they've got, you know, Azpilicueta might be going, but then you've got on the left, you've got Chilwell, Kukurea, um, Ampadu, Colwell. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lot of players there, but they are definitely trimming down that squad, and it is yeah. getting a little bit more like something formed. But let's not forget, they've also still got Lukaku. <laughs> they got what's going to happen with him? They got so many players. It's just like I can't even like comprehend their team. It's Gallagher, yeah, like, and they're still apparently in the hunt for Moises Casido. Apparently, so yeah. But I will just say. Um, I, th I think we need to cut this one at this episode near the end now because we have gone on a little bit too much, um, and we'll 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 come back maybe next week. We might do one next week, depending on what happens in the transfer window. If the Qataris take over tomorrow, we are doing a podcast. <laughs> it's as simple as that. As soon as that, as soon as them Qataris or whoever takes over Manchester United, it's a special. We're out that night. It's got to happen. Everyone um, should have seen the messages uh, that are that was being sent to me. 
when yeah. you thought it was going to go through the other day you were yeah, but that's you were getting that's, incredibly excited weren't you but that that is another thing that why that why has that happened that, that it's all starting to pin now there's a lot of things going on in the background it's gonna happen um, i think it's just a matter yeah. of time yeah but um before we go i think we need to talk about probably the best transfer of the season um i think for me it's probably the best free transfer i've seen this season obviously some brilliant moments have happened under this person uh you know you can't really some of the pain one of the most painful moments in my lifetime of watching football happened here but for someone to retire like martin tyler who has obviously been past it for the last couple of years in my eyes he's had some brilliant service to sky sports and the best free transfer you can ever get peter jury welcome to sky sports <laughs> this is gonna be absolutely class and if you do not know who peter jury is because it's very sometimes you think oh i didn't know who that was just go and type in peter jury commentary it's some of the best I have seen. Like the ones that spring to mind, South Africa, Bafana, Bafana, mm. the what the Manchester United one where Ronaldo comes back, Madeira, Manchester, Madrid, Turin, and Manchester again. You know, um, the Rome one, Roma, when it was, they were four one down to Barcelona, and it was like Nicolas Manolas has risen Rome from the ashes again, and it's just yeah. like he's just poetic, man. It, for me, it's probably the sign of the summer. And I, yeah, I, th I think that's what we needed, really. I think you said, you know, Montal's definitely delivered some great moments over the years, but it's just his time sort of come and probably did so, should have done a few years back. Um, yeah. I mean, only, I, I, I agree. I think he should probably, he'll probably deliver some pretty good moments. And the way he describes football is, is pretty beautiful, but. I've seen some people think, well, once you're hearing it every week, week in, week out, you might start getting a little bit fed up with it and all. Yeah, but, how you might go a little bit too fancy sometimes. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. so but I think it's very, um, you know, like I think one of the masters of the game when I was watching football growing up and it still is, he's probably at the tail end of his career now. But when we interviewed him before Clive Tilsley, you know, some of the things he said was very poetic and stuff. Like I remember... And I asked him about it. You'll know, you know, York, he's round a keeper, full speed ahead Barcelona, you know, and you put them moments in time in football and it sits in your time, sits in that memory all the time. Yeah. And, but I've just mentioned four moments over the a career, sp probably spanning 20, 25 years for Peter Jury, you know, so it's not like it happens every week because he might just be, you. we'll probably sit there the first game of the season expecting fireworks and it's just like, Where's Tyler? <laughs> you know, uh, we've picked this guy up so much. But yeah, for me, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. If anyone who doesn't know, just go and type in Peter Deere commentary. Surely, surely they know. Surely. Do you, yeah, they do. But sometimes you just don't know the name, do you? Yeah. yeah but anyway, look, um, uh, let's see. Still, we're talking about players like Mount and Rice and none of them have been confirmed. So if anything happens we'll be back next week if it doesn't we might be back next week you know but we're just <laughs> all we've said is that we're not going to sit here and just talk to you about football transfers that might happen we'll talk about stuff which is happening and because we just don't want to be boring you i think that's the kind of the word we've said isn't it yeah yeah just sort of go through what we know we, we don't need to harp on too often uh but you know as we said incrementally go and 
well, now he's yeah, he, well, he's now to be accepted. Now it's his medical. And then we'll, <laughs> now, another update, like all the journals, because I'm sure probably most of people have heard all the updates from Fabrizio Romano yeah. and everyone already. Um, yeah, but no, nice little summary to see where we're at. Um, yeah, looking up to be a big summer. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more uh, transfers, plenty more action. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good one. Yeah, and like there's plenty of more teams to cover, but we're, we're nearly an hour just talking about nearly four teams tonight. Uh, but there's a lot of that, and the majority is out of the way. And we'll look at other people like Spurs, obviously, big signings with Madison and what can happen with Harry Kane, etc. But then if we talked about it all tonight, we'd have nothing to talk about potentially next week. So um, I think that's a perfect place to leave it for the week. And um, the high is gone. Please. Please let it be a reality. And Arsenal are going to win the treble because that's quoted. <laughs> I've quoted that one already. Oh, no. Ars- Arsenal won the treble. In- Arsenal won the treble on the third of July. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So anyway, like- yeah. Well, what can you say when you bring in somebody like Declan Rice? You know. Oh mate, before we go though, what that song? That song was brilliant, wasn't it? How good was that? That, that guy's song. Um, if you want to see what we're, we're talking about, there's a song some guy made up about. Um, uh, Declan Rice signing for Arsenal to the um, uh, sound of only fours and horses, wasn't it? Um, it's absolutely brilliant. I think we've liked it on our Twitter. Just go and have a look at there. Um, but until next week, catch you later, guys. See ya.